Welcome to episode number two of Critical Conversations in the C-Suite. I'm your host, LaDawn Townsend, and today I am so excited to bring my mentor, colleague, and friend, Emily Williams, to our episode. Let me tell you a little bit about Emily, and then we'll hop into the episode. Emily Williams is a success coach, entrepreneur, author with a seven-figure business who at one point couldn't get a job at Starbucks. After experiencing a quarter-life crisis, she moved from Ohio to London, one of my favorite cities, where she knew no one. And in 2014, she launched her business. I heart my life. She made $442 in her first month. Yes, $442 in her first month, and then went on to hit six figures within six months before her 30th birthday. She grew it to a seven-figure business in under 18 months. Today, Emily works with female entrepreneurs around the world, helping them bust through obstacles that hold their dreams and goals hostage. We've talked a lot about that here. We're going to dive into that more today so that those individuals can free themselves to live the lives that they want, build their own online business, and hit their money goals. She's been featured in Money, Entrepreneur, Business Insider, Forbes, and Success Magazine. Join me for episode two of Critical Conversations in the C-Suite with Emily Williams, CEO of I Heart My Life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another Critical Conversations in the C-Suite. I'm LaDawn Townsend, your host, CEO of The Boss Group, and I am so humbled today to have as our guest, Emily Williams. Emily is um, one of, was one of my coaches, is a mentor, is someone I'm proud to call a friend, and she's going to talk to us today about that critical conversation and transparent way that all leaders are navigating during this time. So, Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Something beautiful always comes out of our conversations. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to buckle up for it because the energy <laughs> just sort of flows that way. Um, so, Emily, introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us about what you do, and then we'll get into how you got started with that. Yeah. So like LaDawn said, I am a business coach. I work with amazing women like LaDawn. And the way that we work at my company, which is called I Heart My Life, is a very holistic way when it comes to success. And so not only are we working with people on business, we're also looking at mindset, high performance, basically anything that you can tweak and master to become more successful. And one of my biggest passions is helping women make more money. And so we do that through money mindset work, helping them move past fears, um, help them get more confident when it comes to sales and raising their prices. And the ultimate goal is for you listening to be able to say that you don't even recognize your own life. We want to have that major transformation in every way and get you to your most successful self. So I remember hearing that when I came across you, I want to say late 2015, early 2016. My gosh, it has been that long. <laughs> Crazy. Oh my gosh, we both like traveled, moved different places. I've lost a few dress sizes. You look phenomenal. Um, so let's first go back, Emily. How did you start I Heart My Life? Was this, was this something you always knew you wanted to do? Tell us your story. 
So for me, the story really starts at the moment where everything changed course, as I like to say. I thought I had it all planned out. And no, I didn't always know I wanted to be a coach. I knew I was meant for something big, but I thought that something big was getting a degree in psychology and then ending up starting up my own practice. And so after going through four years of undergrad, I applied to 12 different graduate programs in the United States, literally traveled all around looking at all of them, and finally landed on North Northwestern in Chicago. And so I was literally driving there in uh, the summer of 2008. And I got this really weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. And what I knew to be true in that moment was that this was not the right next step for me. And so I started crying. And my mom who was driving the car looked over and asked me what was wrong. And I basically just told her I couldn't do this. And I need to figure something else out. And I need more time. And so we turned the car around and went back to Ohio. And for me, that was like the epitome of failure because I'd always been an achiever. I always knew, like I said, I was meant for something big. And so to not have any clarity and to be in a quarter life crisis, essentially, which is what it turned into, was just really depressing. And so for that period of time, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I actually worked at a hospital for a while. Then I got a job at Starbucks. I remember in particular one morning when I was working at Starbucks, I was opening up the store and I was at the cash register at the drive-thru window. And all of a sudden my dad drove up and he doesn't drink coffee. And he, so he, I knew he was just there to see me. And I got that same feeling and I was like, oh my gosh, what a failure. I can't believe I'm working at Starbucks. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, but I had a different picture in my mind. My dad just paid for four years of amazing education. And now I'm completely lost. Like that's not what I envisioned. And so I had to get really real with myself about the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do. But on the flip side, I started to get clarity about something else, which was moving to London, England. Now, that sounds really random. Obviously, you know my story. But for those of you who don't, I had a friend who lived in England and went to visit her at one point during that period of time. And just, again, had that intuition, that gut instinct, I was meant to live in London for whatever reason. And I thought, okay, well, I have nothing else keeping me in Ohio, nothing going for me, or at least I didn't think so. So I'm going to move. So packed my bags, I actually applied to a graduate program in the UK, um, which was a writing program because I knew I wanted to write a book at some point. So again, I thought, why not right now? So moved to London in 2010, ended up meeting my husband online a year later, which obviously was serendipitous, one of the reasons why I was clearly meant to be there. And then again, felt that that feeling of, okay, well, what's next? I know I meant for something big. What in the world is that? It's not just to be a wife. I know that. So what is that thing? And one of my best friends, a few years later, sent me this email, and it was Marie Forleo's website. And literally all she said was, I thought you'd like this. And so I clicked on the link, and that was truly the next moment my whole life changed course. So I discovered the world of coaching and realized that I could help women just like me, who you know were people who don't heart their lives. They don't know what's possible for them. They need someone to help them get to that next level of success, and first and foremost, gain clarity on their purpose and what they truly desire. And so the idea for I Heart My Life was born and we launched in 2014. I love that. And I think hearing your story, it brings me back to some of my low moments after surviving the layoff in 2014. And we've talked about that. And what I love about your story is that you never gave up, is that you didn't 
go into a shame or guilt or judgment feeling. But when you felt that nudge of this isn't okay for me, you pursued it. And so I want to ask you about two things. But first, when it comes to leaders that are leading organizations, you have a team, you have a large customer base. There are those moments when we feel like we're just ineffective. We're not making any change. Things aren't going the way we want, especially in this season. As of the time we're taping this, this is in August of 2020. We're in the interim new normal of COVID. We're not out of the woods of that yet, unfortunately. But what would you say to leaders who may not shift their perspective like you did to pursue the goal, but they may be saying to themselves, should I just call it quits? So for me, one of the things that I always lean upon is this feeling of knowing I'm meant for something big. And so I always come back to the belief that I have within myself that I am meant for big things. I am meant for impact. And that might not happen on the same sort of time schedule as we think it should happen. It might not happen in the exact same way. But if you have that inner knowing, it's really your duty to keep moving forward and figure it out. And I truly believe, you know, as I share my story, as I talk about different challenges during this time, I believe whatever I go through is in service of my clients, of our community, and that the more I can be open and honest about my own challenges and struggles, the more people can resonate, they feel like I understand them, and of course, I can support them because I've been through something that maybe they might experience going forward. And so I think I just always rely on that trust and that inner knowing that I am meant for something big. And if that ever wavers, check in with everything. I've already done and all the people who maybe I've already changed their lives. Maybe I've already had an impact on, on their reality, on their business. And there's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to focus on that will help shift you out of those dark moments. I love that. When, especially when you said, really remember what you've done, the achievements that you've had. I remember earlier on when this health crisis impacted globally, there were leaders and colleagues I were talking to. And the question, which was, I know you and I don't agree with, is should I be selling during this time? Is it insensitive for me to sell? And I know my viewpoint on it, but please talk us through that, Emily, because I think business leaders are still now asking themselves that question in light of you know, over 40 million Americans on unemployment in the past four and a half months and major retailers filing for bankruptcy and even Cirque du Soleil is filing for bankruptcy and new names that are coming out. And I was reading a story the other day about Live Nation, you know, in Q2, they had a 98% drop in revenue. That's enough to take the wins out of anyone's sale, but they didn't give up. But can you talk to those that are leading teams and the question is being asked, should we take our foot off the gas a bit? Should we be selling? Isn't that insensitive? How do we address that as leaders within ourselves first and then within our team? So from my perspective, and I've heard the same thing, I've heard people say, you know, put your business on pause. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe that those words just came out of your mouth. Yeah. So for me, I really believe that at least in my business, it would be a disservice for me not to sell. 
I believe that I have a lot of amazing tools and um, courses and programs and just mindset shifts that I need to be giving people, especially right now. And I need to show them that it's still possible to move forward with their vision, still possible to move forward with their dreams. And there's nothing that's going to happen in the world that's going to stop us from fulfilling that purpose that's deep within. And I operate from a place of abundance. And so I know that even if right now we might be a bit closer to what people see as scarcity, scarce resources, that's actually not true. We are a decision away from the abundance that we want to create. Repeat and, that, Emily, please. That was so powerful. Please repeat that. Yeah. So even so, if we think about it as a spectrum, right, the law of polarity, there's a line here. So some people are viewing this as a scarce time down here, but we're only a step away from being on the abundant side. And it truly is just a choice. And a lot of people think that that's crazy. That's not possible. Look at all the, the you know, unemployment rates. Look at all the companies filing for bankruptcy. And I actually recently put together a list of all the companies that are thriving, all the companies who are pivoting, all the companies who are doing better than ever during this time because we've all heard the stats. There are tons of companies who thr were thriving during 2008. They built something new during 2008. So I choose to focus on that versus any of the lack that people are currently focused on. I love how you broke it down. I remember seeing your email and I said, oh, she's spot on. You know, one of the things we talk about is always revenue leakage, but there are companies that are winning during this time. Small businesses, large enterprises. It's interesting. It's, it's half and half of what I'm finding when I survey. There are small businesses and large enterprises who are struggling. And then there are those who are saying, we're having our best year ever on both ends of the spectrum. So one of the things you've known for many things, for your business coaching, but what I absolutely think you are a master at is the money mindset. And coming from a banking background, I didn't even know money mindset was an issue. That's why I'm whispering into the microphone, because from the banking world, we should be ashamed that we don't understand money. But the way we're taught about money is to put it in a savings account that earns less than a quarter of a percent, you know, don't overextend your debt, all of those things. And I just remember the biggest encouragement that you gave me was thinking bigger. You know, even being a part of your program, one of the reasons I enrolled, I said, I always wanted to go to London. And here's a program that I get to graduate in London. I was so excited and all of those things. But can you talk us through, for those that are in positions where they're leading organizations, they may have never heard money mindset before. They're stuck in their P&L statements and their expenses and payroll, but I think there's a time where we have to, as leaders, elevate our think around what money really means, right? Because we know money is an energy back and forth, but could you introduce that concept to those that may not be aware of it or in the old school thinking like me, where money was banking and finance, that's not how they're going to survive in this season with the money mindset. So please, Emily, take us to school on that. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite topic in the world. And just like you, I had no idea that I had a money mindset until I started my business. And there was a period of 54 no's in a row where I had 54 people say no to wanting to work with me, where I realized, okay, I need to work on this thing called money mindset. And I also need to work on my sales strategies. And so I dove really deep into what money mindset actually was. And in particular, what my own money stories were. 
And basically, our thoughts and our beliefs about money are set when we're children based on what our parents and society teaches us about money. And so we bring that into our business, into our career, and ultimately, it no longer serves us. And one of the things that I see and I've learned through my own experience with my team is that whatever our money mindset is, it filters down into our team, into our clients, into all the conversations. Even this morning, I was having a conversation with a client and she has another client in the corporate space and she does SEO work with them. And she was talking about the fact that she'll get frantic phone calls from the CEO basically saying, we don't, we haven't reached our goals, what's happening, blah, 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 like literally going into so much fear. And she's improved that company so many times over, but there's still so much fear. And so I was chatting with her about that. And I was realizing, you know, how much I've shifted myself, because even if things feel like they're not happening, even if it's not working, I always bring my team back to the fact that we always reach our goals. There's always enough. There's always enough clients. The money is right there. We just need to find it. And so when you operate, for example, with that mentality, you're not on the phone with your team freaking out. You're not infusing all this negative energy into your work and into your company, you're holding strong and you have this belief in what you've built and what you know your company is capable of. And I truly operate with the belief of if the desire is there, the money's there. And like I said, we just need to find it. And so with that perspective, you're solution oriented versus focusing on the problem, which literally is a game changer. So let's dive into this even more because unfortunately during this time, there is a I think a, a transparency or a pulling back of the veil of business leaders that micromanage, they're managing from stress, especially now that there are many companies that are working from home. Um, there are two big tech companies that announced one employees you can work from home throughout the end of next year. And, and the other said, do you want to do this permanently? And I was just talking to a colleague who um, works for a marketing company and they said we're doing remote working period because they found that it actually was a win but then there are those that are not experiencing that win they are experiencing calls at all hours of the night or getting questioned why they're not online every hour of the day so as a leader that is now approaching having to make the bottom line what would you say is the number one thing that they can do as a leader to shift their own perspective so then they can create that culture within the team? Because you're right. When one panics, everyone panics. And then, you know, we're in a crowd theater screaming fire. And that's not going to help anyone. So how can they first say, I'm going to buckle down, but where do I start with this mindset? So for me, it's really simple things. So I was just chatting with one of my team members who pays all of our invoices the other day. And I said, I just want to make sure that when you're making payments, you're of a positive mindset and you're showing gratitude for being able to make those payments because it wasn't something we'd ever talked about. And yet it's something I practice in my own life. And now that I'm not the one paying the invoices, it's important for her to know that. And so little things like if you are able to pay even any bills, like let's show gratitude for that. And I always give the example of if my husband were to give me a gift and I rejected it or I said it wasn't good enough or I was just, you know, didn't like it, <laughs> he would be hesitant to give me more. And that's really how the universe works. The more grateful we are for something that we've already been given, the more we'll get in return. And again, people think that that's a bit too woo-woo for them, but it really is true. If you think about it, when you show love, when you show appreciation, you get more in your relationships and your money is a relationship. So just thinking about that from a gratitude, from a, a gratitude perspective. 
Then the other piece is really around sales and abundance. So a lot of people think, oh, the buyer's not out there. We can't sell this service. We can't sell this product. You have to be of the mindset that the money is there. And so many people are focused on the issues that it's like they're looking at le- looking at life through a lens of problems and they're not actually able to see the solution. And so I'm always thinking to myself, okay, so if we haven't re- met our goals yet, What's the issue? And I look at the issue for a second, but then it's ultimately, what is the solution? How can we pivot? How can we change? Where is the money? I know that there are clients there. I know that there are people there that we can contact who we can help and come at it from a place of service and not scarcity. Mm, Service and not scarcity. So let's talk about sales because everyone has an emotion about sales because sales at the end of the day, the way I view it is you're just offering your service or product to see if they want it or not. And if they say no, they weren't your customer to begin with. So move on to the next one. What I'm finding as I talk with leaders, and I'd love your perspective on this, is they thought they had a sales organization, but what they had were moments of Camelot, as I call it, where the marketing was pushing in massive amount of leads and it was sort of low-hanging fruit. But now we can't rely on the metrics and the sales and the marketing we had before this happened in COVID, which was only January or February, under nine months ago. So what would you, how do you define sales for your organization and how do you work with your people to shift their mindset on there is business that's out there for us? Well, first of all, we do train our team when they come on, but I also look for people who are of a more positive mindset naturally, and they're looking for solutions versus those negative Nancys who are going to be the people who kind of suck the energy out of the room. And I do feel like that's an important thing to look for when you're hiring. And so we love people who are going to be all in and they're so excited about the brand. They want to serve, they want to help the community, and they're of that more positive spirit. And then we train them on our methodologies. And so my perspective on sales is sales is something you do for somebody, not to them. And so I've really developed a strong and positive relationship with sales to understand that this is is not something I'm inflicting on someone, quite the opposite. It's like I have a cure for the cancer, whatever it is that they're experiencing. So it's actually my duty to tell them about this thing that I'm going to sell them. And we all know that people are much more committed when they actually pay for something and they've personally invested in it. They're going to get more results. And I also know that my company is not going to move forward unless we make sales. And so I have a very positive relationship when it comes to sales and I pass that on to my team. And what we found recently is a huge percentage of our sales actually come from outreach and building relationships. And that sounds so obvious, but it's kind of taking it back to basics and not relying on the marketing because people are needing that extra reassurance and that extra touch point, especially during this time. And it's actually more fun to do that, to build the relationships and It creates more long-term success as well because not everyone is going to buy in this moment, but you can maintain the relationship for months or even years to come and their no will turn into a yes. That's so spot on. So a part of this time that we're in, interim new normal with COVID, I really see it as whatever your business is going through, and and we never want to have a crisis like this again, but there will be some other crisis, not a health crisis, our hope is, but there'll be something. There'll be, with just everything happening from a political standpoint, and not to take a left or right side, but all of those actions are impacting globally. You know, whether it's sanctions in one country, and you're not supposed to do business. I mean, I do business globally, and I'm 
always have to check the sanctions list. Is this company on that list? Okay, great. We can do it or not. I mean, it's just a part of what happens when your business grows and you start expanding more. You know, Emily, have you and your company had to make any pivots during this time? Um, you offer an amazing service, great training, great team. Have you had to make any adjustments in what you offer in order to hit your goals for this year? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one is that we had, um, how many, four live in-person events planned. And so we quickly realized that those were going to have to turn virtual. So we did our first virtual retreat in March, and it was fabulous. And then we hosted um, a workshop called I Heart Money that was supposed to be part of our live, one of our live programs, which is called I Heart Money. It was supposed to be a celebration event and teaching in person in California. So we turned that virtual, and we were actually able to open that up to more people in our community, not just the people who went through the program. And that was back in May. And I have to say it was a bit of an experiment, but an experiment that worked really well. It actually helped us uh, sell almost every single product that we have, and it resulted in six figures in sales. And so we quickly realized, okay, this is amazing, number one, because we get to put this material out there for more people. But number two, this topic actually speaks to a variety of different uh, levels of business owners. And so it's a workshop that we've actually done two more times since then. And it's actually going to become one of the staples for us going forward. And we've done another retreat virtually and our big live event is going to be a virtual experience. And so we're really mastering the virtual world. And I know that even when everything goes back to normal, so to speak, we still want to have that virtual element so that more people can be a part of our experiences. Because not everyone is going to want to travel. Not everyone does that on a regular basis anyway. So being able to impact more people has been just an amazing blessing. Oh, that sounds so amazing. And I've been to your live events and I know the power that happens there. Um, I can only imagine with the virtual events because it's still the same energy, of course, not being physically in the room, but you still deliver. You know, I've, yes. I've known you for years. I know you show up and deliver. James is phenomenal at what he does. I'll never forget um, when I came to London, I was so excited about coming to London. I remember maybe on the first day, I felt a bit of overwhelm. And I went up to him. I, I, I don't do overwhelm. I didn't know what that was. And he was so um, gracious to be able to coach me through. I said, James, I just have to talk to you. I'm, I'm okay, but I'm feeling this. I don't know. And da, 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 da. And within 10 minutes, he helped me just really come out of that mindset um, and help to shift that. So I know your events are just going to be amazing. Yeah, that's one of the incredible things is it's not just me anymore. We have all these incredible coaches who have a variety of different expertise. So like I said, we really serve our clients in a holistic and very inclusive way. That is so amazing. So one last question for you before we go. This has been such a great conversation. Um, what does I Heart My Life, the Empire, look like going forward for 2021 and 2022? Can you share anything with us? Not the secret sauce, but <laughs> we'd love to see what are your big stretch goals that you're going for? So for us, it's really around what the brand is and what we're offering our clients. So I think for us, really putting a big emphasis on team this year has been super powerful. And now the company is not only known as you know my company, People are talking about all of our coaches, my head of marketing, Mallory, James, all these people are having huge impact. And I even caught myself the other day and I was like, somebody was bragging about one of the coaches and I was like, oh, they're not bragging about me. That feels really weird. <laughs> but then I was like, that's a good thing. That's what's supposed to happen. And so really seeing this as I hurt my life, the company and having to, and getting to 
you know, help people in a variety of different ways. So I now feel like we have something for every single person, every stage of the game when it comes to life and business. And we're relaunching our membership and changing that up a bit. There's going to be a lifestyle track as well as a business track. And so we're adding in more of the lifestyle elements. And I actually just launched my personal brand today, emilywilliams.com. And so there's a lot happening there. So honestly, the list is endless. I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, wait, you know, and that feeling of, you know, I, I've been expanding the team and I was sharing that with you. We, we talked last time and, you know, we've expanded again. So I brought on um, a salesperson and it was the oddest feeling when she, I mean, she's doing a great job and she said, oh, I have three consultations booked. And I cried for a moment because, you know, in six years of building this business, we've had different people come and go and it didn't work out, but she was holding these sales calls and I didn't even care if she closed them or not. I was just so excited about that. Of course, I want them to close, but just to have that support or to have a branding team that does things for you. It's so amazing. I I love that. So I'm cheering you on. I'm going to check out your personal brand the minute we're done with this interview. Emily, is there any closing thoughts you would like to share with those leaders that are on the line? Um, that you feel that they may need to hear in this season? I think it's really just the power of belief. Um, You have to remember what you've been created for, what you've already accomplished, and what you're capable of doing. And I always love to flash forward to the future version of myself when I'm going into worry or fear and just ask her, what would she say to me right now? What is she proud of? What is her guidance? Because we have so much inner knowledge and, and our intuition is always there, and yet we're not relying upon it. And so I would say just check in with what you know you're meant for and keep moving forward. I love it. Keep it moving forward. Emily, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, LaDonna. It's been an honor.